like the what is like going on like ladies and gentlemen we are back it's thirsty thursday unfortunately it is another terrible primetime amazon game believe the score yes uh, at halftime it's almost zero to zero but we're not worried about that because we're doing a little ball and barrel we're sipping on some bourbon we're having a good time the vibes are high uh, I'm joined here with another good friend of mine who I grew up with, a uh, entrepre- another fellow entrepreneur. As you all know, this is a, a very business-like, very uh, entrepreneurial, favored type podcast as well as a sports podcast. My friend and owner of Acres Down South, my friend Jacob German. Jacob, let the ladies and gentlemen know about you, what you do. Tell us a little bit about your business, and we'll dive in a little bit too more about what you actually just have as well. Yeah, man. First off, I'm pumped up to be on and, and more than happy to, to be able to be a guest on here. But, you know, my business started out as Elevated Influence, which is still alive and well, thriving. But, um, you know, that's a digital marketing as well as promotional products business. And uh, so basically I take, you know, you come to me and you need promo for your business, whether it's shirts, hats, chip clips, pins, bottle openers, koozies. I mean, you name it, we can do it. And uh, so I was working with a buddy of mine who was in real estate and his father actually owns a real estate agency and I was doing their for sale signs and their, their shirts, their hats, their koozies. And he just, you know, came in my office one day and was like, man, we're doing all this or you're doing all this for all these other, you know, folks why don't we come, you know, come together as making our own brand. So uh, that's, that's kind of how Acres Down South was born. And um, we, we started out as just basic graphic tees and, and hats, and we still sell a little bit of that from time to time. But, you know, we quickly realized, you know, we wanted to get into a little more of an upscale apparel. So we, we got into polos. And as you know, if you, you know, just look anywhere, out and about right now all over print style polos are hot right now but no one was really doing it to specifically tailor to college football fans so we kind of had the idea of combining the two and thus it was born so uh yeah we're, we're hot and heavy right now this is definitely our busiest time of year but um you know hey i, I we appreciate any support that we get and uh you know, I can, I could talk for hours about this stuff. I was, this I was simply, you know? well, well, that Jacob, that's literally just a little bit of just my talking point that I was going to get into, man. Oh yeah, of, of course. Um, uh, cheers to you. Good, sir. Thank you for uh, coming right. on. I really appreciate that. I'll let you know here in a little bit what I'm sipping on. I want to save that and just, to, you know, just for the good vibes. I did it last time. I know that I usually said that I'm going to do a different bourbon from time to time, but I feel like this specific episode, I want to do one that I did before. It brought in some pretty good fortune, so I'm hoping a little bit of that superstition still works out today. But yes, um, you're getting basically into my my talking point, and basically just um, you know, supporting um, uh, supporting local businesses, supporting small businesses. Like I was saying, we're very entrepreneurial. We're pro entrepreneurial here on this podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, the game day polos that he's talking about, specifically tailored to college football, they're incredible. So right now they have they have a Memphis one. They have Auburn, they have Alabama, they have Tennessee, they have Georgia, they have Ole Miss, they have Florida, 
and I feel like I'm oh of course uh, they they have Mississippi State as well so they're infinity stretch incredible athletic fit so you stay uh, cool and dry pretty much anywhere you go this could be you could be on the golf course you could be out to dinner pretty much just anywhere just wherever you want to go which leads to the absolute ultimate comfort and again as Jacob was saying they are custom designed and that's pretty much a little bit of their money maker right now ladies and gentlemen so again that's acres down south you can find them on instagram find them on twitter find them on the facebook or just go to the google just type in acres down south it'll literally be the very first tablet that you see not only do they sell these incredible game day polos hell ladies and gentlemen i bought one today and i bought the old miss one because the it's called always win the party and that just sounds like a personal goal for me Pretty much anywhere that I go, if you ask Jacob, he'll definitely attest to a little bit of that behavior. But not only do they sell these incredible game day polos, like Jacob was saying, you know, hats, koozies, T-shirts, you know, like he was saying, if you can think it, they can do it. But again, that is acres down south. Even drop a little note in there just saying that uh, you uh, listen to the third degree just to let Jacob know that you listen into this episode. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Well, the third degree, but of course, uh, ball and barrel as well. But Jacob, as you were saying, we can talk hours about your business. It's quickly growing. That's why I just wanted to take a little bit of time to just, you know, put you on the platform, kind of let you, you know, grow even more. But bro, we got some stuff to talk about. We have some major games. Now, last week, Shane and I went through a lot of games, and it was pretty much a wonderful slate. I actually think the slate that you and I are going to talk about this week is significantly better. There's not as many games, but there's more ranked-on-ranked teams, and that just builds for just tremendous ratings. Everyone's going to be watching. Everyone's going to be tuned in. But before we get into those games, there was a segment that was shot down from the Third Degree Podcast. And by Justin and Rob, when I brought it up as a talking point, they immediately shut it down. They said, this is the NFL. We're, we're not fraternity. You know, this isn't a frat house like you have over at Ball and Barrel. So you save the Matt Rule talk for you and your other little frat boys. So first thing we have to talk about, because it hasn't been discussed, is Matt Rule. So Matt Rule is officially out of, from the Carolina Panthers. Jacob, he finishes his uh, NFL career 11 and 27. Listen to this little stat. This is pretty terrible. And think about it, this is just the NFL. So, Jacob, he is 1 and 27. So, every one of his losses except one. If you scored 17 points or 20 points, you were going to beat him. He was 1 and 27 in any time he was giving up 17 points in the NFL. Think about that. Like, that's. <laughs> so, but now, Jacob. It's fine because now, bro, he's he's the he's the homecoming queen that is now single. Like he, right, his right. his DMs are full of just in a PG way. Let's just say sausage. Like he has a ton of sausage in his uh, DMs right now, and he rightfully should be. So we saw what he did with Temple. We saw what he did with Baylor. Jacob, what did you take away from the Matt Rule let go? Did you instantly have a few college teams in your mind that uh, that he would probably just kind of have interest in? You know, obviously the Nebraska, Wisconsin is probably at the top of those lists. But um, what like, would you take away from that? What's a team that you think that would be great for him? Just uh, just lay, lay it out for me, brother. Take a sip. You know, kick back well, and like, just uh, you know, let me hear your thoughts. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, you, you touched on it a little bit already with Temple and Baylor, but just to give you some stats, he took a two and ten Temple team in twenty thirteen to back to back ten win seasons in twenty fifteen and sixteen. So in two years he went from two and ten to ten win seasons. They had a few NFL he, prospects in there as well. I remember that. Exactly. So then he, he then goes to Baylor, which in two thousand seventeen Baylor went one and eleven. All right. This is after the Art Bryles c- yes, collapse. Yes. Okay. And then in 2019, so only two years after he takes the, the helm, so to speak, after a 1-11 season in 2017, he goes 11-3 with the Sugar Bowl appearance in 2019. Okay. And that's when he goes to the, to the Panthers. So the guy can coach college football. I mean, that's just, you know. He can. Statue. The data is there. But, I mean, this is just another example of, you know, how hard it is to translate success at the college level to the NFL, you know. So, like you said, he, he's definitely a hot name in, in the college football market. And You named a couple, but an, a couple of others that came to mind was a couple teams out west. You know, I'm looking at Colorado. I'm also looking at Arizona State. But honestly, I mean, I forget the exact numbers, but I think he's getting paid like 800-something thousand a month right now. Eight hundred and forty-three thousand uh, for the next forty-eight months. I did see that as well. Yeah. So, so apparently, the best job in the world right now, Jacob, is to be a fired yeah. NFL or a fired college football coach. Apparently, that's the best job in the world right now. Exactly. So eight hundred thousand a month to sit on the couch. Uh, miss that. <laughs> uh, Hell, that that's so a month in Cabo, Jacob. The, the you know the golf links, you know beaches. That's that's the time right there. All exactly. on the Carolina Panthers dime. Exactly. So with that being said, you know, maybe he holds out for that uh, potential Auburn job that's going to come up. You know, it's not set in Ooh. stone, but it's probably coming. And who wouldn't want to go coach an SEC, you know? Well, well, we have been talking about Auburn as a speculation. And Jacob, even his uh, press conference that he just had, all he kept talking about was, um, you know, it takes time. It takes time which realistically that's more college talk than it is NFL. I don't believe that it takes time in the NFL because you see what Brian Dayball is doing with Daniel Jones and they're four and one. And that only took a, within a span of not even a year. Da- David or um, yeah, there you go. He got the crown in. Okay. Yes, sir. Take it. Yeah. Poor double, man. We're going to be here a while. <laughs> we, we, we got a lot to talk about poor double. Um, but yeah, man, so he, he already, he still talks like he's in college. So now that he's making this transition back in, I mean, you can't really blame David Tepper for taking a swing. You know, he just, he just throws $2.5 billion down for, or cash remind you, ladies and gentlemen, he, he throws every bit of that down, especially to buy the Carolina Panthers. And now, you know, he took a swing with a college coach who was a hot commodity and, it right now it just doesn't look great and hey i mean that that that's why i'm i'm a fan jacob that if you make a mistake don't be stubborn about it just admit the mistake move on and learn from it don't double down and just be like no this is the way this is going to work it's going to happen and just so now as you were saying he can take some time to kind of chill kick back it's much easier to watch college football than it is to coach he can kind of you know pick whichever uh I guess um, team that he really just uh, admires. So you mentioned two Pac-12 teams. I'm actually going to mention two SEC teams 
one, both of them that are not Auburn. Well, I guess I can – one of them's a for sure SEC team. One SEC team is eventually going to go there. So the one team that I think, and I even uh, when Shane asked me, like right as it happened, I was like, uh, these teams, and I even uh, put a dark horse team to it. So Jacob, I actually think that Oklahoma should give him a look. Right now, Oklahoma just, they essentially put a Band-Aid over a gunshot wound. And it's terrible because right now they've lost three straight weeks. And honestly, and I said it last week on Ball and Bear, like I hate picking against Oklahoma, but I kind of hope Kansas beats them this this week. I, I, I kind of hope so, especially since Oklahoma is favored for some reason. Dylan Gabriel may be back. Time travelers have their own deal. We won't even get into that. But I really think they should give him a look because, I mean, you, you already pointed out the records. So what he basically does is he essentially buys a house, preferably a foreclosable house. He tears that bitch down to the studs and then he eventually just builds everything up to where it's either matching market value or exceeds market value. So with Oklahoma, man, like they can literally just, especially because Jacob, that's a bigger brand and, and they're going to the SEC. So they're going to get better players than he did at Temple or he did at Baylor. And, you know, as you were saying, just the ability for him to coach, that actually gives him a significant advantage because right now, hell, anything looks better than Brett Venables. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, dude, for real, like, I mean, he's lost like the three straight weeks. That's already, ha- I mean, we'll get into that here in a minute. May, we, we may or may not, but oh, bro, like, <laughs> I mean, o- Oklahoma should seriously just consider that because they're moving to the SEC because they're, I mean, Jacob, let's be honest. They're, they're losing to mid tier level, big 12 teams. And, well, I say mid-tier level, but, I mean, Kansas State's doing well. Obviously, TCU and, you know, Texas, you know, is on the uh, on the uprise. But, I mean, they're still losing. That, that competition is nowhere near what's going to happen when they get to the SEC. So, I think they should at least give him a chance. A dark horse, Jacob, a dark horse team. So, Auburn, yes, you already mentioned one mid-tier level SEC team. I'm going to mention another one, Missouri. Missouri has a new athletic director. Her name is Desiree Reed Francois. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, I apologize to the family. But she's the very first female direct or female athletic director, and she's also the first uh, female uh, athletic director with a uh, Hispanic heritage. So Jacob, she actually when uh, she's coming from uh, U- U- uh, UNLV, where she upgraded the football facilities, she. Um, pretty much hired, I think, like I think I read between seven to twelve head coaches for pretty much the entire athletic department. She brought in coaches of the year, and she actually upgraded it with facilities. So nothing against Eli Drinkowitz, but if you're having a chance to possibly get Matt Rule, then it's nice to kind of just show Eli the door because she's looking to make a splash, and I love that because again, she's already upgraded facilities. They're, Jacob, as of right now, they're putting in a specific NIL program that's going to exceed almost, I believe, uh, she said 7,000 miles from the university. So that means pretty much everyone that's close to the school is going to pretty much financially benefit it. Dude, it's it's looking good right now, especially for the potential suitors that are pursuing Matt Rule. That's just a dark horse that I wanted to throw out. I've been kind of keeping my eye a little bit of how, you know, 
the Eli Drinkowitz will situation will play out. Jacob is just I, I just vividly remember that Auburn Missouri game where Missouri had a chance to win, botched it, game goes into <laughs> overtime, and then Auburn wins, essentially saving Brian Harson. So I guess the other team is the team that I guess your team beat my team and where it's all right, well, let's get both of these coaches out. But if there's one that needs a bigger desperation play, I believe it would be Mizzou. But that's all we're just going to say about Matt Rule. Let's get in, uh, unfortunately, some bad news, ladies and gentlemen. We are officially halfway through the college football season. Let's take a moment to really reflect that. All right, we've reflected it. We've moved on. We've accepted (laughs) it. That is what we have to do in today's society. If you are hurt, that's unfortunate. Talk about it, but you have to move forward. That's all that we can do. So, Jacob, with that, I the talking points that I sent you as far as like the midseason quote unquote awards, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just uh, give off my player of the year, the coach of the year, the surprise, whether it be team, storyline, whatever case may be, disappointment, same thing, and the game of the year. So my player of the year so far is uh, I'm finally putting some respect on his name, as Shane would tell me last week, uh, Hendon Hooker. It's looking good right now. Big win over uh, Florida, pretty, even a even bigger win over LSU on the road. Things are looking great for the Vols. We're obviously going to talk about them. The coach of the year, I'll keep saying his name, Lance Leipold. I, uh, you know, the fact that you can win five games at Kansas and have Kansas even be undefeated, tremendous coaching job. Lost last week, but TCU, we'll talk about them. And uh, say, Speaking of TCU, that's my surprise, Jacob. So TCU's a surgeons. I knew Sonny Dykes was a pretty good coach, and Max Duggan had played a lot of college football. Didn't really see TCU being this good. Biggest disappointment, Texas A&M. Say what? What else is there to be said? Uh, and the game of the year, I said last week, I can have one favoritism. I can have one bias from time to time. One, and I'm, I'm allowed to do that. So I'm picking an LSU game, but it was an LSU loss, and it was the very first game of the Brian Kelly era. I believe the game of the year so far is when Florida State beat LSU, simply because of the implications of what happened on or not implication, pretty much a little bit of the results of what happened specifically in the last two minutes. You know, Jaden Daniels takes the ball 99 yards. They just need to kick a point after just to tie it, take it to overtime. Florida State blocks it, game over. It was incredible because especially of how that game was really blow by blow. But, yeah, man, go ahead and give me your player, coach, surprise, disappointment, game of the year, and just kind of just give me a little bit of a brief explanation as to why. Yeah. I appreciate it, Dylan. So, player of the year, I'm actually going to tell – I'm going to say a name that is probably going to shock some people. And uh, We like shocking. Not, we like well, shocking. I mean, he's not in the Heisman conversation, and I'll, we're going to get to Heisman conversations towards the end of this segment. But let me talk about my boy, Will Rogers at Mississippi State. You know, first off, the only reason – Producer Rob will this, probably put this at the very first of the, of the podcast now. You, you just <laughs> made Producer Rob so happy hearing that. Well, you know, the reason I say that is because of this. As a whole, Mississippi State is always and probably will always be the kind of forgotten about in the SEC West. 
you know, because you've got the huge brands. You've got Alabama. You've got LSU. You've got Texas A&M. You've got Ole Miss. You know, Lane Kiffin is a, you know, he's got the swagger. He's very loud with his personality. Real tweet. You know, yeah, he's and, feeling hey, it. And as a Tennessee fan, I don't get me wrong, I hate him for leaving us, but I love him. I'm, I'm a swagger guy. You know Thank what I'm saying? You. And, um, you know, then you've got Arkansas on the rise, and I'm actually about to get to that too just very shortly. But, you know, like I said, Mississippi State is one of those teams that all is – I feel like they're always forgotten about it in the SEC, especially in the SEC West. But do not forget about my guys in Starkville, Mississippi. The cowbells ring loud. And and just to give you a stat to kind of bring home why I said this, okay, this guy has thrown for over 2,000 passing yards already in the season. But his number one receiver – or excuse me, let me back up. His leading receiver, he's only got one leading receiver in the top ten as far as SEC rankings. So that so what I'm saying is he doesn't have that one guy that's that five star recruit. He's spreading that's that number. bad boy around, right, exactly. bro. He's he's he got, he's going to everybody. It's seven on he, seven to Will Rogers he, in a way. Exactly. He doesn't have that one five star recruit that, that's his first target every time the ball is snapped. He is slinging that thing. Left, right, you know, down the middle, you know, in the Mike in Leach, the flats. baby. Yes, we love the exactly. pirate on this podcast. He, we we are is, a pirate, pro pirate podcast here. He is running the Mike Leach offense. So that's that's kind of my midseason so far, player of the year. And of course, I have a bias towards the SEC, not because I I hate on anybody else, but you know, I'm, I'm a local boy. I'm born and raised in West Tennessee. It ain't our fault we live in the best conference. I mean, that's right. It ain't ain't our fault. We didn't choose the geography. That's right. So, I mean, I I live in the Southeastern Conference, so that's what I pay attention to the most. Uh, But moving forward. Pays the most, too. Yeah, that's right. Moving forward, let's go to coach. I got to give it to my guy, Lincoln Riley. And here's why. Stop. No, no. Stop. (laughs) Listen. You're done. I'm, I'm I'm a big. Hey, look here. I know, big, I know. I'm a I'm a big notes guy, and uh, hopefully LSU is too. But anyway, um, <laughs> so USC, they go four and eight in 2021, mm. three and six in their conference schedule, and now they're six and zero oh so far in 2022. Now we can talk about strength of schedule, and as a matter of fact, we're going to get to that a little bit. We later. will, we will. But there's but so far, you know, hey, a win's a win. I don't care who you play. I don't care what the score was. A W is a W. They're six and zero so far in twenty twenty two after going four and eight in twenty twenty one, three and six within the conference. But now let's look at that same picture from the flip side. Okay, let's look at that same picture from the perspective of Oklahoma. So last year when he's at Oklahoma, he goes eleven two, eleven and two. Their only losses are coming from Baylor. And Oklahoma State, so in conference. Both big big, uh, 12 representatives, essentially. Exactly. So in conference, rivalry games. And then now, first year without them, they are currently sitting at 3-3 with an 0-3 record within the Big 12 conference. So (laughs) to say that Lincoln Riley does not have an influence on a college football team is is, is just bananas. So – Okay. So far, that's my that's my coach of the year. Um, 
moving right along, biggest surprise. I mean, I I hate to be biased because we're going to get into this. You can like, be. You have a reason to probably, be, and we'll get into probably, we'll get into why you have to be biased. But well, yeah, I will. I will explain myself a lot when I say this. But biggest surprise, it has to be Tennessee. Because if you would have told me when you texted me back in what was it, July, you know, hey, I'm doing this ball and barrel deal with with I want it to be straight college football. I'd love to have you on. I was looking at my schedule and I said, you know what, week seven looks good. And that that wasn't. When I said that, that had nothing to do with the actual college football schedule. That had to do with my personal schedule. But yeah, just availability. <laughs> exactly. But if you would have told me then, if you would have told me at that point that going into this week that Tennessee was going to be 5-0 and headed into Alabama and college game day was coming back to Knoxville for the second time this year, now, I know that it seems like it was a little while ago when college game day was in Knoxville because we had an away game and we had a bye week. But listen to this. The last time college game day was in Knoxville was the last was Tennessee's last home game. Okay. Let that sink in. Okay. Let okay. that sink in. I didn't look it up. That may be a stat that's worth looking into, but Tennessee has officially had back-to-back home game, college game day appearances. So, I mean, the hype is there, you know. I, I, they, they are a surprise. I mean, I said at the beginning of the year that I wanted to compete for the East. Um, you know, I hate Alabama as much as the next guy, but, um, you know, they're in the West. I want to compete for the East, just like I said. So, if you'd have told me we were five and zero going into this week, I would have, you know, been ex- ex- ecstatic. I, I I said that our absolute ceiling was like a eight ten and, and four. And it, oh, ten and two. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that's like I said, absolute ceiling was ten and two, and that was with losses to Bama and Georgia. But I quickly reiterated that you know our complete 50-50 toss-up games were going to be at Pitt. It's going to be Florida at home, um, Kentucky, South Carolina. Of course, we haven't gotten to Kentucky and South Carolina yet, but, I mean, we we Tennessee went on the road and won that game. There was a little bit of sloppiness there, but you know what? A team that winning's winning. on the road. Yeah, it, just like <laughs> I said, it doesn't matter the points or the spread or the whatever. A W is a W, so – they went on the road. At the time, they were a ranked opponent, got the dub in overtime, and then turned around and did it at Florida Week as well. So I mean, I'm I'm just ecstatic that we're five and zero right now. Um, it is it is a surprise because I mean that falls under the category because not a lot of people pick Tennessee to be this good. They probably pick Tennessee to be kind of like what you're thinking yet around like ten and two, losing to Alabama and losing that, but to be. Man, just to start off five and zero, and just to look the way they do, it definitely falls under surprise. I'm I'm curious to hear about your disappointment because you gave me like a you gave me like a little bit of a head nod and then tilt when I said Texas A&M. So I'm really interested to hear your disappointment. Well, I mean, it's 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 actually my biggest disappointment. Disappointment is actually not Texas A&M, believe it or not, it's Arkansas. Oh, and, um, that hurts. <laughs> well, Cold Trim, if you're listening to this, or if you if you will be listening to this as of probably tomorrow, I, I do apologize before I say this, but let me reiterate and explain myself. 
I had Arkansas as one of the sleeper teams in the West. Like I mentioned before, Makes sense. you know, the West has the big brands. It has the Alabamas. It has the Texas A&Ms. It has the LSU. It has the Ole Miss. You know, starting out, KJ, KJ Jefferson looked hot. And, and I honestly thought, you know, I, and I actually made some com- some comments on our Instagram page between who would finish second in the West behind Alabama at the time. And it was a toss-up, you know, very close between Arkansas and Mississippi State, which were both highly, highly sleeper teams. But you know me, I like a little, uh, you a little know, spicy. hot takes. Yeah, yeah a I little like spice hot, every I, now and I then. Like, I like hot takes. It's good for engagement on your content. And, uh, it is. You know, we can get into that at a later date. But, you know, I had Arkansas as a dark horse, you know, kind of not a sleeper, but a dark horse team in the West. But, man. I was actually on the phone with Shane, who you had on last week, when uh, that kicker hit the top of that upright, mm. and uh, I was I was actually <clears throat> I was actually ahead of him by just a couple seconds. So I'm in Central Time, he's in Eastern Time, and then when that kick, when that field goal hit the top of the upright, I said, "Holy shit!" You know, I've never seen that before. I've seen them hit the uprights, I've seen them hit the crossbars, but I've never seen a kick or a ball hit the top of the uprights. And it's almost like, you know, it it hit them in the gut so hard that they kind of had a little bit of a hangover going into Mississippi State last week. And that goes right back into what I said about player of the year. You know, they go in the start for last week. And even though I had kind of both State and Arkansas as a dark horse number two in the West, you know, I, I, I thought it was going to be a closer game. But, I mean, Mississippi State puts 40 up on Arkansas. I, I, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what else to say. Now, they do have a chance to, uh, you know, kind of kind of bounce back in the coming weeks. They do have a tough schedule, but that's why I say there's a chance to bounce back because if they can, if they can win, you know, or excuse me, if they could only lose one or so games out of the remaining schedule, I feel like it would be considered a bounce back. But, I mean, they've got BYU. They've got Auburn. They've got Liberty, LSU, Ole Miss, and then Missouri. So, I mean, if they can go, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's six more games. If they could go five and one in that stretch, I was going to say five and one, even six and zero, oh, like that. That sets yeah. up that egg bowl to be huge. Yeah, I, I could see that being, you know, somewhat of a bounce back. But I, I will say I am a little bit disappointed in Arkansas from from my initial thoughts going into the season. So, uh, but but game of the season, just moving right along, and I'll let you have the floor back. Man, I got to go back to Bama, Texas. Oh. I, I mean, I would. <laughs> All right. I would. I would. I would. That was just such a thriller. I was in Destin. Yeah, I was watching. I'm just like, are they really going to do it? Are they really going to do yeah. it? They really gonna, with yeah. a backup quarterback? Yeah. They really going to do it? They really going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, um, it that, that was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would. I would. Uh. I, I would love to rewatch that game with. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm probably about to mispronounce his name. Ewing is that? Sorry, Quinn sorry, Ewers. Q. Ewers, Ewers, okay. I, I would love to watch that game again with, with Ewers in the entire time. Bro, he was I'm slicing having... and dicing before he got right. hurt, too. Like, it was right. it right. was looking – it wasn't looking too good for Alabama secondary when he was in. And even when Hudson Card came in, it still wasn't looking good. That's 
right. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but I'll tell you what we are going to get into. Jacob, we're going to go ahead and get into these game slates. Like it's again, we, we have big matchups from the SEC, the big 12, the pac 12, that like, bro, like we, it, it's it, uh, the big 10, of course, like it is such a good week for ranked on ranked opponents. And we'll go ahead and start off right with the big 10. Uh, it's a primetime matchup, very one of the very first games. It's Penn State. Of course, we would have to start off with this segment because of uh, with uh, Justin being our uh, Penn State uh, bias person here on the third degree. What's going on, Justin? I know you're going to love hearing all this. <laughs> so Penn State goes to the big house. They go to Michigan. Michigan's favored. Michigan looks good. Jacob, they're basically transitioned themselves from a big Mack freight truck from last year to now more of a finesse. We're going to throw it all over the yard. We're just going to have all these innovative routes. I pretty much think this is a, a this, this is just my initial thought. So this is just a different test for Penn State because Purdue was the last team that they played to really just give them a fight, and that was back in week one. Now, when they played Auburn and when T.J. Finley was just playing badly and then Robbie Ashford comes in, they have a little bit of a play, but, of course, you know, they just wipe the floor with them. So they haven't really just been too, too tested, in my opinion, whereas you have Michigan coming off three Big Ten games where, I mean, we even just saw last week uh, when they were pretty much locked in 10-10 to 10 at halftime and eventually end up winning all again altogether, but – I think Michigan's just better prepared for this. And not only that, <laughs> and Jacob, this is just this may just be me just being just a little biased, but I'm still waiting on the backup quarterback of Drew Aller to come in for Penn State because we have seen what Sean Clifford is. We've seen what he can do. It's not that impressive. Call a spade a spade. It's just not impressive. Get the young 6'5 guy in with an absolute rocket. Get him in. Because the running back they have, Nicholas um, um, – oh, yeah, Nicholas Singleton, he's already a star. Jacob, he's the next Penn State running back. And he's already – and he's a freshman, so he's going to definitely have more time to grow. But he's already he's already electric already. He's already showing that elusiveness. But – I don't know if you knew this, but Michigan actually, other than Michigan and Alabama, are the only two teams with a top 10 scoring offense and defense. And I just don't think Sean Clifford is ready for that Michigan defense. And again, they they stalemate people not to really put them away too, too early because they're more offensively focused this year than they were defensive last year. But Jacob, I'm – I'm not too, too impressed with J.J. McCarthy. Don't get me wrong. Definitely the better choice as far as the Michigan quarterbacks. Still hasn't blown me away. But who I like is uh, it's Corum. <laughs> <laughs> A big back from Michigan. He's got the juice. He's got the juice. He's got the juice. That's the guy who I believe is going to have the juice come this Friday or this Saturday and oh, uh, speaking of running backs, uh, the running back coach, uh, Mike Hart, who unfortunately had a, a seizure during last week's game, is uh, apparently doing well coaching and still at practice. I don't know if he's going to be during this or down on the sidelines or up in the booth, but the, just the good news is that he's doing much, much better. Thoughts and prayers still with Mike Hart. But 
with Blake Corm, Jacob, that's just the way that they're going to win the game. So this is where they need to get kind of going from that finesse, we're going to throw it all over the yard, to let's just go ahead and start running into these guys. Because Penn State, that's all they're going to, they're going to try to do. And plus, Jacob, I think Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than James Franklin. James Franklin's still great, but I definitely give the slight edge. Because as you were saying earlier, it's really hard to transition from college to the pros, but here's a fun fact for you, sir. In 2011, Jim Harbaugh was the head, was the coach of the year in the NFL. In 2021, last year, he was the Big Ten coach of the year. So he actually knows he's one of the rare few that can coach in the NFL and with the or in with college. But thankfully, here with college, it's a much. I'd be wary if Jacob, if this game was on the road for Michigan, but they're at home. It's early. Everyone's going to be feeling good. Everyone's got the mimosas popping, the Bellinis. They just had themselves some brunch, had some beer. They're smoking the meat. It should be done by halftime. Everyone's feeling good. I think Michigan feel good, and Michigan actually, <laughs> Jacob. I think that I think Michigan rolls, and I mean rolls Penn State. Like I can see them like getting up to like thirty five. To like ten or seventeen. I mean, I think, I think Michigan's going to just not only win, but they're going to win convincingly. What do you, uh, what do you take away from this matchup? I, I, I agree with almost everything you said. Um, Woo! You know, the line is Michigan by seven. Yes. The over and under as of yesterday. Pardon my take. I took my notes yesterday, so the lines may have moved. Over and unders may have moved a little bit, but. As of yesterday, the over and under was 51 and a half. I'm taking the over. I've got a little Time bit travelers are – I didn't know that I didn't know that about the over and under. The time travelers are thinking this is going to be a defensive matchup. Well, I mean, I agree. Okay. That's, why, that's why I said the over because, like I said, the, as of yesterday, the over was 51 and a half. But just um, looking at these stats here, I'm showing Penn State with an average of 34.4 points per game in Michigan at a 43. Um, I don't have my calculator out, but that's that's above 70. And if the, the over and under is only 51, then I'm taking the I'm taking the over. Okay. So uh, you know I can see it. I definitely think Michigan's going to win. I think it'll be a little bit worse than you. I can definitely see that early two touchdown lead, kind of like you said. But I feel like Penn State will kind of hang in there a little bit, but like you said, with it being a home game, you know, they're going to be rocking. They're, they're just going to be rocking. And we'll, Ann we'll Arbor's going to be feeling it, bro. Right, right. We'll get into this. You know, home field advantage just means so much more in college football. You know, there's honestly only like maybe two stadiums or venues that I would say home field advantage is a huge difference when it comes to NFL. But in college, I think it just means so much more and at so many different venues. But For sure, you know, especially when you have 100,000 people that you can fit exactly. in there too. Exactly. So, I mean, I've got 35-28 Michigan. That's a 63-point that's a total, well over the 51-and-a-half. Well over. over. Yeah, well over the, the – six. The uh, excuse me, 51-and-a-half over and under. And that's got Michigan winning by seven. So I'm kind of right there with the line. Um, I, I believe my total spot on, but, you know, it, it may actually be a little more than seven, Michigan, after hearing your takes. You know, I'm kind of 
you know, I don't want to agree with you too much, but I'm kind of changing, I understand. My, change, I'm kind of changing my mind a little bit after hearing well, your Well, Jacob, think about that. So, again, we talked about the limitations of Sean Clifford. So mm-hmm. now he's going to be on the row with all 100,000 fans screaming at him. And, you know, Nicholas Sanders, or uh, I'm sorry, not Sanders, uh, Singleton, great running back, but he's he's a freshman. Like, this is his first time, like, stepping into this environment he looks up and he's just like this is a lot of lot of yellow lot of yellow and it just more than he's probably even ever seen at one point and it's not saying it's going to be overwhelming but you know it can definitely kind of get those you know initial you know those initial butterflies you know kind of floating you know get that stomach knotted up just a little bit but i mean hey just jim harbaugh knows how to coach man and that's That's why I kind of just feel like it's just more of just this with the Michigan game. And it's great for the Big Ten because, Jacob, this could set up a potential, which would be great for us as well, a potential undefeated matchup between Michigan and Ohio State because everyone always knows that Michigan State's season is literally defined by what you do with Ohio State. Like that's, that's all that it's defined by. But um, I'll tell you who uh, another team who is defining their season, and we already talked about, or I talked about them from a, from a surprise perspective, is TCU. So we have a big, 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 big twelve matchup in Oklahoma State. Going, yes, sir. Yeah, again, absolutely. I, there, there, again, Jacob. There's a reason I haven't told you what I'm drinking, but I assure you, you will like it once I tell you. So. But before we get into that, Oklahoma State goes to Fort Worth. They are going to TCU. Phenomenal uh, medical program as well, in case anyone didn't know. But, um, but um, Jacob, this is what you kind of this is what you kind of want from a Big Twelve perspective. So both teams, their defenses are ranked either ninety or ninetieth or worse. And Oklahoma State specifically has one of the worst secondaries in all of college football. Maybe not as bad as Arkansas, but still pretty bad. Jacob, this is what you set up for a Big 12 matchup. Like, this could be – I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked at the over-under, but I, I feel like that that could be like an over-under of like possibly like 60. And at that point, you would even just kind of just say the over at that point because, you know, just uh, – I mean, Jacob, just both teams – as far as um, Spencer Sanders and as far as Max Dungan, Max Dungan's only thrown one interception. Spencer Sanders has thrown two. So they don't really turn the ball over too, too much. And the, both offenses score willingly. I think the biggest separation for this, we're going to go back to coaching. Mike Gundy has been in this situation before. Mike Gundy has, it seems like, a great offense year in and year out. There's just always either – a defensive mishap or a t- or a, a loss that they just lose or even Jacob even a couple losses that they're just not supposed to lose to. So I think their first loss this week actually comes to TCU. So I'm ac- I'm picking TCU. They are favored, but I think this is not only the Sunny Dykes effect. I also found out today that uh Jacob, I don't know if you know this, but uh Horn Frogs when they um when they feel threatened, they spit blood at you do you know that <laughs> I, I think i've heard that once before but that's very that's, jurassic that's, park you know uh, i forgot what the uh the, the type of dinosaur that is but the one that just like makes like a wheel around him and then just spits that venom at him that's that's just what i thought of when i heard that so i'm just sitting here thinking like okay well t- 
TCU is going to be the dinosaur and Oklahoma State's going to be Wayne Knight getting blinded and, you know, losing everything, even including losing the DNA cells of the dinosaurs. So, bro, this is it. This is TCU's time. They beat Kansas last week on the road. They're hosting, you know, um, there's Tennessee's offense. There's Ohio State's offense. And third total offensively is TCU. So with Max Dungan, with Sonny Dykes, this could possibly, Jacob, be even like a Heisman moment for Max Dungan. He's played a lot of college football. I believe he's a, not only just a senior redshirt, I believe even that redshirt's an, on top of a medical redshirt as well. So that may be true, that may not be, but I know that he's played a lot of college football. It's funny because uh, when we talk about uh, playing a lot of college football, that COVID year really just got everyone to really just take the average years and just kind of just put it up. You know, now we have more uh, 23, 24, hell, even like in Hennon Hookers and Stetson Bennett's case, 25-year-old quarterbacks still playing college. And it's incredible. So that's that's a guy who's played a lot. He's really vibing with Sonny, and it just seems like they're really taking that in. It's at home. Fort Worth's going to be rocking. There's going to be so much blood that gets, gets spilled all over these cowboy po- – these pokes – they're going to get in that little uh, Fu Manchu mustache, all that blood. I'm feeling it, bro. I feel good about that. Um, uh, again, I'm kind of – I'm waiting on another big, big 12 matchup where it's just, bro, it's just all offense. No defense. Just <laughs> hug it, chug it, football. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's what I miss about the big 12, man. What, what, what do you think about this? I mean, I, I well, once again, I agree with you on the end outcome as far as winner, but I'm actually – Projecting a little bit lower. Okay, so the line is TCU by four. Um, the over okay. Under is, the over and under is 68 and a half. Okay, so. Ooh, time travelers. <laughs> they want to see a show too. They, they do. They, they obviously do. Because if I'm looking at the, the team rankings here, I've got a – I've got 46.4 – points per game at Oklahoma State and 46.4. So, basically Jeez. tied. I mean, not basically. They are tied. In points oh, my games. God. That's, that's that's a lot of points. Um, I, I'm no like defense you, whatsoever. I'm, yeah, I'm like you, man. I'm taking the home team. I, uh, I can see it being one of those maybe 45 to 42 games, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> – Perfect. It, it's going to be a lot Perfect. of points. Over hits. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an over guy. You'll, you'll hear this. Jacob, the so am podcast. I. Who wants to see low scoring? Who wants to watch Iowa football week in and week out? And who who roots for like even just the anxiety of just sitting there watching the game? Like, I hope no one scores. I hope no one scores. I hope no one scores. And you're just like, just edging especially with how offensively our game is now like it's just really hard to bet unders unless you just know it's like all right these teams are they're folk they're not only coached by a defensive coach they're more defensively sound they are offensively sound this is not a game that you bet the under with but again both teams are just gonna just just do everything they can to just score as many points i just think the tcu uh i think they run the ball a little bit better and their defense is just obviously just a little bit better than oklahoma state so that's why i'm going with tcu and like you said they're at home as well that's right that's right so like i said i've got 45 42 tcu so they get the money line they get the over 
they do not quite hit the spread. They, they come one point short of the spread. But, you know, like we said before earlier in the podcast, a W is a W. You know what I mean? I know there's a lot of betters out there that look at, you know, against the spread records probably harder and, you know, more serious than they look at the actual Dive records, too deep, Jacob. They yeah, dive way yeah. too deep. Yeah, but I've, I've got 45-42. TCU, home team gets the win. They hit the over. They hit the money line. But they fall just a, a point shy of the spread. I, I honestly think Oklahoma hangs around a little bit. So, uh, that's where I'm at. Well, speaking of hitting a money line – hitting a home field advantage, having a home field advantage. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be another venue with that has an, another 100,000 that are going to be rocking. They're going to be loud. They're going to be drinking 24 hours prior to this game. Alabama and college game day. And SEC Nation, Jacob, all three of those platforms and brands, they're all coming back home to Knoxville. The Rocky Mountains, they're going to be looking pretty. You're going to have that nice little fog at 6 in the morning. You're going to smoke your joint. You're going to drink your (laughs) bourbon. You're going to take it all. You're going to pop your edible before the game. You're going to feel good. You're going to... Because if you're a Vols fan or if you're just anyone, I'll go ahead and say, Jacob, just this week, I'm a big Vols fan. I'm, I'm, um, I'm Rocky Dill in a way. I know that makes no sense to you, but it makes sense to me, and that's all that matters. Speaking of, this is why I wanted to say this. So the bourbon that I'm sipping on is Sweeten's Cove. Of course, I don't have to speak within that what's to you, but for those that don't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is Peyton Manning's bourbon. So I drank it during the week of when tennis, when Florida came to Knoxville and we all saw how rocking that was. Well, now it's Alabama coming to Knoxville. So I wanted to definitely break out the Peyton Manning bourbon. I felt great about it. Man, the vibes in Knoxville, Jacob, downtown, the strip, walking up to the game, Hell, if I'm even those little uh, apartments that's right below the stadium, like I'm like, I'm like charging people like a dollar for beer, just like just come <laughs> hang out with us, like just, just like take in everything that we're doing. Now, as far as the game, it really stimulates on, or I guess it really, um, not really stimulates, but it really, um, it really just kind of just, I guess, hinges simply on health, and that's on both sides. Jacob. So on y'all side, is Cedric Tillman going to play right now? He's trending like he's not going to play, which is unfortunate. However, Jalen Hylett. And now with, you see how brew McCoy is, especially how he's uh, inserted himself into the offense. Hey, Cedric, take as much time as you need. You got a future in the NFL, get healthy. We're going to need you down the stretch. Thankfully, as we saw with Alabama secondary with last week and with, uh, as you say, with your game of the year with Texas, they don't really have the dogs on the outside of for the defensive backfield. So if you can take some shots, which obviously Tennessee does multiple times in the same series, so it'll definitely play out. But, I mean, Cedric Tillman's out. Also with Bryce, Bryce Young, does he play? 
with Nick Saban being kind of very Belichickian. He's just kind of just like, well, we'll know, uh, we'll know Saturday. You know, he practiced some this week. I will, I'm not going to know till Saturday. He's not. I mean, I kind of wish I had like, I kind of wish you could see a, a Coke bottle that's sitting here, and I kind of wish I had a little like a little mini podium, just sitting here, be like, well, he's pla- he's practiced some week. Uh, so quit asking, Jacob. I don't know if he's going to play <laughs> or not. So quit asking. And, but I mean, we'll we'll. It's looking like he probably isn't, which. It doesn't matter, Jacob. I'm picking Tennessee either way. Last week I went against them. Thought my Tigers were going to take them down. Thought they were going to slow down the hype train. Turns out that hype train ran over that little kitty cat like it was nothing. And now it's an even bigger, or it's a bigger animal than an elephant. But that hype train is going to run right through that elephant. (laughs) I'm feeling it, man. I'm absolutely feeling it. I know Alabama's only favored by a touchdown. Jacob, the time travelers are telling us they're even projecting that Bryce Young isn't going to play. So that's, like I said, it doesn't matter if he does or not. I just think Tennessee just has better weapons offensively. Their personnel is better. Josh Heupel understands how big this game is. Even Jacob, even though it's it's only his second year in the SEC – and he's grew up and played in Big 12 country. He understands the rivalry, the hate, and the animosity that these two programs have for one another. Fun fact, Jacob. Uh, obviously, you know this, but for those that don't know this, Tennessee is 0-15 against Nick Saban. Think about that. So Tennessee, here are a few things that I saw that Tennessee has never done since they've beat Alabama. They've never sent an iMessage after beating Alabama. They've never posted on Instagram after beating Alabama. They've never gotten an Uber ride after beating Alabama. They've never streamed Netflix. They did, however, get to buy Nacho Libre on Blockbuster. <laughs> Which is wonderful to me because, I mean, hey, Blockbuster, to me, I mean, Jacob, we grew up in the same area. Friday nights, get get your pizza, get your candy, go to Blockbuster, get about four or five movies. Your weekend is set, especially if you got people coming over, which we always did. So, the I mean, again, ladies and gentlemen, 0-15, like that is, that's a long time. And everyone thought that at one point Tennessee would never beat Florida. Like even that streak would continue you know, not only did they beat them, they've beaten them twice within the past, what, eight years or even like five years. So now is a time for Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker to really capitalize everything. Because this, Jacob, this could be Hendon, Hooker, Hendon Hooker's third Heisman moment style game. Already beat Florida, whooped their ass. Definitely put up numbers as well. LSU, same thing, on the road, whoop their ass, put up great numbers. Now you have to host Bama. Take it one step at a time. Georgia's down the line. Everyone knows Georgia's coming. We'll get to Georgia when we can. You have a legitimate shot at beating Alabama. Hendon Hooker knows that. Josh Heupel knows that. Even the offense, the offense is believing, and that's why I'm even kind of convinced as well. I'm big on Tennessee this week. I'm giving them the respect that they deserve. Shane just – you know, sent that bit of lightning like Zeus used to throw back in the back in the Greek god days. I'm feeling it. 
tell me why I should either uh, hold my expectations or not go put my rent on Tennessee this weekend. Well, first off, since we uh, actually skipped the week six recap, before I go into the uh, oh. week seven matchups, let me change we- my hat real quick. This one's uh, just for you. Oh, for our listeners, Jacob is putting on a white Tennessee hat with uh, orange lettering that says Daddy, just so I'm aware of who Daddy is. So, Daddy, (laughs) if you don't mind, I'm going to sip my bourbon here, and I'm going to tell – I want you to tell your son and the rest of these listeners here – why they should be feeling Tennessee as well. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be first to tell you, because I've been a Tennessee fan my whole life. We are ready to win now. It has been a long, rocky road for a while now. Pun intended. But I'm also, you know, a realist. I like baby steps. At the beginning of this year... Like I mentioned before, I thought our ceiling was 10 to 2. And that was, at the time, guaranteed losses against Bama and Georgia, with 50 50 games being Pitt, Florida, Kentucky, Georgia, or excuse me, Georgia was a guaranteed loss, and South Carolina. With that being said, Regardless, I wanted to just compete in the East, okay? I know it's the third Saturday in October. I know the hatred is there. It's there for me, too. I hate Alabama just as much as the next guy. I promise you. But regardless of what happens on Saturday, yes, it will affect our postseason chances. Yes, it will affect our national ranking, but it will not affect our East chances or our projections or our rankings in the East. Won't hurt the program at all. Program's still ascending. Doesn't matter the outcome. If if it comes away with the win, that's even bigger. You still got the recruiting class. I believe that five-star from Cali, I believe he's actually coming to this game, Jacob. So I feel like all that good energy is coming. It's coming with everybody. Like, everyone's coming to Knoxville. I told – hey, I sent the group – I sent in the group message, are we going? Like, let's – Go! (laughs) We we have plenty of resources and we have plenty of people to watch children. Lego! That's right. (laughs) So like I said, I wanted to compete in the East. So I have had the Georgia and the Kentucky games circled a lot further than I had the Alabama games circled at the beginning of the year. But like I mentioned before, if you would have told me that we were going to be 5-0 and going into Bama week, and this was the second time that game day was coming, I would have called you crazy. So be Knoxville, the first time someone calls me that. <laughs> so Knoxville will be rocking. They will be absolutely rocking. I actually saw a uh, 
a video earlier from a from an ESPN show. I, I honestly forget who was who was talking, but they, they were they were one of the ones. I'm not sure they were on the panel or just on the team at game day for Florida game. And they asked him, you know, what do you, what what are your thoughts on on this weekend? And he said, you know, you saw what it was like when we were there. We as in college game day, you saw what it was like when we were there for the Florida game. It is going to be the Florida game on steroids. Massive steroids. There is an entire generation out there of both Maybe Tennessee. Two. Yeah, both Tennessee and Alabama fans that have never seen the relevancy of this rivalry. Okay. So as much as I want to say, you know, this game doesn't matter because I personally want us to compete in the East, it still matters. It it's still the biggest game of the season right now. It's Yeah. Tennessee, Knoxville, Leland Stadium will be rocking louder, harder than it has been in years. For sure. But the flip side of that coin – if we're playing Nick Saban, we're playing Alabama. This is a team that is led by a coach that has been here plenty of times. This is our guaranteed West opponent. We play them every single year. Yes, it does go back and forth between home and away, but Nick Saban has been in Neyland Stadium. There are a lot of players on this Alabama team that have been in Neyland Stadium. So it's not like we're going to – Some even a few Alabama players at one point, like Henry Toto. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole other segment. But, <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of players on Alabama that have been here before. This isn't like when Florida came to town. Like, I know we play Florida every year as well. But, you know, when Billy Napier came to town and college game day was there, he's never been in Leland when game day was there when we were undefeated. And so on, and so and so forth. But you know, Nick You're Saban right. he has hasn't. been. Nick Saban has been. So I feel like they will be absolutely ready. Okay, he is the goat for a reason. But uh, you know, a T Rex ate a goat every now and then. Momentum is momentum. Okay, going back to last week, I would love to rewatch. Well, I wouldn't have loved because I'm a Tennessee fan, but I would be interested. And seeing what would have happened in that LSU game if they wouldn't have muffed that that opening kickoff, you know, J- momentum Jacob, is everything. Yeah, like and, that right there, like that. You can't give a team like Tennessee a twenty point lead and expect to win, especially if your offense is limited. Which Alabama, outside of Jameer Gibbs, it now if Jameer Gibbs gets going. And hit and the run game starts elevating, and you know Hendon Hooker's off to the sideline. That takes in a whole different story. I just think Tennessee at this point, especially if Bryce Young plays, they know that they don't really have the outside weapons, so it's easy to just kind of just send pressure and just sell out for the run, like make Bryce Young just like kind of get out the pocket, get comfortable, and just make the dime throws. Well, Hendon Hooker can make the dime throws while he's in the pocket, just because he has better weapons at knowing getting open, and that's. I think, you know, a little bit of like the trench play, which obviously as as we, you know, our inner ethos comes from, trench play matters. And I think Tennessee's defensive line 
can really take over this game. Specifically, if I mean, even if Bryce Young plays, but specifically if the backup plays and you can just rush four and maybe five every, like every you know ten or twelve plays, you maybe like bring an occasional blitzer. Like this could this could really make things interesting as well. I mean, again, I'm rolling with Tennessee. I, like you said, I love the momentum. I love that they know what's going on. You can, Jacob, you can kind of see Nick Saban. You can kind of see him feeling the heat as far as not really just from boosters, but as far as just the the way that college football is, like just how things are as far as like, all right, it's no longer just you and everyone else. It's like, it's almost a little bit like the style of the NFL. Like Jacob, when we even talked about this with the transfer portal, like it evens everything out. It's like if you don't want to play at Alabama, you want to go somewhere different, you can, and you'll start, and you'll probably compete against them. Like it's no longer just having all these four or five stars on the bench. Like those four and five stars can now leave, get just as exposed, especially if they stay in like the SEC, the Big 12, or I'm sorry, the Big 10, and maybe even the Big 12 or the ACC if ESPN, you know, gets those TV negotiations really rolling, but as long as you're just still relevant on one of the better teams, especially on TV, you're just going to get exposed. So it's he's feeling the heat as far as like that change. Because, Jacob, let's keep in mind, that Texas A&M game, regardless of terrible play calling or not towards the end, they had a, yet again, a backup quarterback in a position to beat them. Because now Texas A&M has a younger defensive line, but they had a – Defensive line that gave Alabama significant troubles. And I think the Vols, and specifically Josh Heupel and the defensive line coach, they see that. And they're thinking, okay, right there. Like, that could be the advantage. Like, just that small little, you know, matchup within the matchup, that could be the the biggest difference. And, again, man, like, I'm feeling it. I really am because Jacob – even if you win this game and you lose to Georgia, you would I mean, like that just brings up the conversation of like down the end. Now I know college football playoff isn't hap- or the expansion isn't happening this year, but from a program perspective, Josh Heupel, recruits, athletic department, recruiting coordinator, you can literally sell to everybody. Look what we have. Even sell to the five-star kid, Nico, coming in. like Just like, hey, yeah, you're going to build on this, and we're going to get everyone else in. Like Tennessee, like just a season like this is already having the program ascending, and now at this point it's just, you know, winning games just for competition for postseason play. But as far as just like a program relevancy and as far as just, you know, looking flashy, being involved with NIL, being involved with the community, having a fan base that cares. Like, to me, Tennessee's back. Like, they're back whether they win or lose this game or even right. if they win this game and lose to Georgia. Like, they're already back to the relevancy. And it's, you know, we already talked – or you specifically talked about generations. There's one, two, three, maybe even four generations, especially in Knoxville, that love them some – volunteers and if you get a fan base that buys in especially a fan base like that that is as nice and is so welcoming and it's just it's such a good time tailgating with everyone and really just getting to know just the people of knoxville it just makes college football great it makes the sport great it makes where we live great it makes the sec great 
Speaking of making the SEC great, the SEC is so great that they even have their own network, the SEC network, although it's not as more of prominent because now there's the Big Ten, the Big 12 network, the Big Ten, hell, the <laughs> Texas Longhorns even have their own network, which is ridiculous. But going back to the SEC network, they have a little bit of a premium matchup of your player of the year, Will Rogers, is heading to bourbon country in, in Kentucky, in Lexington, not specifically the bourbon city, but bourbon country. Jacob, I, one of my ver- the very first note that I wrote down is Will Rogers game. <laughs> this is another game because, <sighs> all right, so, and, and you're right, he's already doing this without, uh, his top receiver, I think his name is like Caleb, like Duncan or Ducking or something like that, but uh, you already alluded to it. He doesn't even have top-tier numbers. He just happens to be the best one as far as just a physical presence and just as far as playmaking. But there are tons other that are just getting the opportunity and getting the chances to actually make those plays. And Kentucky's not going to be able to keep up. We talked about health as well. So the health of Will Levis. Is he going to play or not? I think from a program perspective, he should play because you're coming off of a Lost to South Carolina, which doesn't matter if he plays or doesn't play. You, as a program, and as Mark Stoops prides himself on being, you know, the best coach at Kentucky, and that's obviously including John Calipari. Like, bro, you got to beat South Carolina. Like, you have to beat Shane Beamer in a in a rebuilding project, especially if you want to continue to be relevant. But now you're coming in, and you, or I'm sorry, you're hosting the pirate and you're hosting Will Rogers and Jacob, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. Even if Will Levis does play, the only thing that's different or that that I think could be a difference maker is that um, ladies and gentlemen, Kentucky runs a pro style offense already. So that's why there were so many executives to go see that old miss game when Kentucky played them because they're since, I mean, especially Kentucky, they're already running a, modern day pro style NFL offense and Will Levis already looks like he's going to, you know, he's thriving in it, but it doesn't matter what scheme when you're playing an air raid style offense, but Jacob, what's unique. And here's funny about this, Jacob, the Mississippi state's actually running the ball. I believe they're averaging over a hundred yards in the like, like per game. And Kentucky is dead last in rushing. But they're, what I was going to say that makes a difference is um, Chris Rodriguez Jr., the running back for Kentucky. He was suspended. He's He you know had those games where it's still kind of like coming along. This could be a game where he can possibly get right because Mississippi State plays a 3-3-5 defense. And for those of you that don't know, three defensive linemen, three linebackers, five DBs. Basically a defense that dares you to run the ball. If you can have success running the ball – you can beat this team. Um, right now, um, the line is Mississippi State negative four. So the time travelers are telling us something. They're telling us that even if Will Levis plays, this could come down to a defensive bout, specifically how the run game and Chris Rodriguez could see maybe Jacob 20, 30 carries like we used to see in the old days. It's just for Kentucky, man. It's just right now injuries 
are playing a big factor, and a lot of underclassmen are happen to play premium minutes and and from premium positions as well. But I'm still taking Mississippi State. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to be as close as the time travelers want us to think. I think this is going to be a route because uh, Dylan Johnson. You know, we talked about how Mississippi State's running the ball. You know, they're averaging 100 yards per game, and that's 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 with Mike Leach as the head coach. And he understands the significance of how important the run game is, which will obviously open up Will Rogers, him have an even bigger game, and kind of make that LSU that LSU game just kind of look like a like look like an aftermath. Yeah, man, I'm like you, man. I mean, just like I said before, I, I can't I can't talk enough about Will Rogers. Um, I think I think the air raid offense will show out. I do think that they will heavily depend on whether Will Levis is playing or not because we saw what Kentucky looks like without him last week. But, I, um, I didn't watch much of that game. I don't know. I mean, I kept in touch with it for <laughs> obvious for, for this, but I didn't. I didn't sit and watch it. I wasn't. Right. I wasn't going to. That's right. And I mean, I was pretty much in the same boat. But uh, I mean, regardless. I mean, yes, if he plays or not will be a, a a good swing in the outcome. Time travelers think, think he's going to play. Negative four tells me that they think he's going to play. Right, which, like I was going to say, regardless I, whether he does play or not, I, I still think State comes out with it. Um, this this is their guaranteed East opponent every year. So, they, you know, they have a lot of history with Kentucky – I, I know it is in Lexington, but like I said before, man, I, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have gave Will Rogers the Player of the Year so far in the SEC, and then and then came on later. <laughs> he, he was going Kentucky, was gonna yeah, Kentucky's yeah. taking it. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, just just looking back at my notes here, the line is Mississippi State by four on a on a road match. So that that should tell you enough. The over and under is forty nine. Okay. Ooh. If they I'm think a, at, they if think I'm a looking, defensive matchup. I guess so because when I'm looking at stats right here, Mississippi State points per game is thirty eight and a half. Kentucky's twenty six point three. Once again, I don't have a calculator in front of me. But that's that's, uh, that's at least sixty and some change. And they're going oh they're going oh oh that's the over under. It's not even fifty, yeah. Jacob. That's yeah. Is what is it? Do they is weather a factor? You're supposed to rain its ass off in Lexington that night? You know, I guess I'm unprepared because I'm 100 percent sure. But I'm yeah, me neither. I didn't. That's that's a hell of a over and under, especially for those two teams where you just mentioned that you know offense is kind of like their forte, and it's not even 50 for both of those teams. That's that's right. Time travelers. That's right. <laughs> Tell I'm, me your secret. <laughs> I'm taking the over. I'm at, Obviously. I'm, I'm at I'm at 31 24 Mississippi State. That, well. that puts us at a 55 point total. You know, a good, you know, six points touchdown over over the uh the over and under line. That puts Mississippi State not only hitting the money excuse me, that puts Mississippi State not only hitting the money line, but also covering the spread. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but from what I've seen so far, you know, Kentucky without Will Levis is 
not booty with 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 Will Levis, but like I mentioned just a few moments ago, even with Will Levis, I think I think State pulls this one out simply because they played them every year. Um, I'm a big home team guy, but I, I just like I said before, Mississippi State is such they're, they're just so. Those cowbells can travel to Lexington. Not that well, far of a techn- drive. Technically, they can't. They the, the the personnel can travel, but I don't know the exact stat. But most, uh, if not one hundred percent of all stadiums, say no no cowbells allowed. So Starkville, Mississippi, oh. is, is about the only place you will hear an actual cowbell. So that I never. I, knew I mean, that, this guy. I feel like I should know that. Well, I mean, I. I no, no shit. I mean, if, if it well, was you a married home game, to a Mar- <laughs> you married it, to a Mississippi State alum, you know all the inside secrets. Oh, exactly. And uh, my best friend, you know, one of my good buddies of mine, graduated from there too. Uh, oh, Will yeah, Lynch. of course. Yeah, well, yeah, he's in our fantasy league. He'll probably listen to this, you know. So I've I've seen it all. As, as a matter of fact, as a Tennessee fan, I'll just go ahead and put this out there before we move forward. I know it's, I guess, unsportsmanlike to. Uh, we love unsportsmanlike. Please go. Well, I mean, to pick more than one team. But uh, I've always said, you know, hey, I bleed orange. I'm a Tennessee fan. You know, die hard. But if, you know, I do enjoy Mississippi State. I, I love, Jacob, we live in a day and age where you're allowed to have multiple teams. With well, so I mean, much just, movement, so much like coaching jobs and players and – you're allowed to like more than one team, I believe. I believe we're in a de- what, the day and age where you just think that your team is the end-all, be-all. You can never miss on a recruit or a draft pick or ev- whatever, and everyone else's team sucks. Like, those days of just thinking, like, bro, they're gone. So, yeah, if you want to have – hell, if you, you want to like Mississippi State and Ole Miss, hell, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have a friend that went to, went to University of Tennessee – then went to Mississippi State, and then graduated at Ole Miss. So you can like as many teams as you want. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and again, he married into the family. So he, he married right. into the cowbells. Like, he, he has literally no choice. It's, you know, happy wife, happy life. We encourage that as well. That's right. I'll, t- I'll tell you who else is uh, feeling happy right now, Jacob. And that's them Florida Gators. They are at home, home favorites this week against the LSU Tigers. Again, I get one. If I'm going to be irrational, if I'm going to be just, if I'm not going to, if I'm just going to spew out just random shit, I get one team to do it. And it's LSU. Obviously, it is. So, Jacob. I think this is a um, – okay, so I look at this as a bigger picture style game. So I don't look at this as a – all right, this is a must win for both teams, but in a way that it kind of is because you have two first-time head coaches, both in a position where they are in a school with two recruiting hotbeds in Louisiana and Florida. Mm-hmm. They already have good recruiting classes. They already have upgraded facilities – this is also a quote-unquote sweat game, I think, for the Louisiana State University athletic director, Scott Woodward, because Billy Napier 
was already kicking ass and taking names at a uh, uh, Louisiana Lafayette and right underneath his nose to take the interview. Unfortunately, he never did. Scott Woodward's a big, a big game fish, big game hunter in a way. So of course he's going to go for a big name in Brian Kelly, but Jacob, I think this is just a win just to kind of see where both programs are at. And with that, I look at it, it's like, all right, well, in that case, Florida's basically playing with house money, I think. So Florida, even though they're hosting this game, they're basically not supposed to win because Billy Napier is a first-time head coach in the SEC, but he comes from a smaller-style program, whereas you have Brian Kelly is Notre Dame's all-time winningest coach. He wants to dip his feet into the SEC pool just to see what it's like. He's already been faced with a little bit of SEC games, obviously getting his ass kicked last week and that or at home within the initial kickoff. You kind of already felt, oh, boy, here it comes. And so I look at this as kind of like a game that just kind of just elevates that rebuild for both programs just quicker. Like which team, if they win this game, just kind of gets a little bit more transfer or seem a little bit more appealing to that transfer portal people. Like who kind of if, – if some recruit is, or if some player, for that matter, is Jacob is just basically just choosing between Florida and or LSU. Look at, like, look at the game last year. It's like, oh, well, LSU won. I'm picking LSU to go in to Florida. And I won't back down. No, I won't back down because LSU has won the last three and they're seven out of nine. Constant pressure on AR. All right, I'll stop. I just had a little bit oh, too man. much of the sweet. Uh, I had a little too much of the sweetens comb. I would, but I mean, that. Oh, that's. that's I would, but I just Nashville looks good on me, so to speak. But can't really just keep going through that. But again, I'm picking LSU to win just because I think that they'll actually have a better setup for defending Anthony Richardson. Because as far as Anthony Richardson and um, Trevor Etienne, Travis Etienne's younger brother, there's really not a whole lot of uh, playmakers for Florida. It's just those two. So for LSU, for their defensive line, and especially with how they uh, play their linebackers, how they disguise them in fronts, I think that can actually get constant pressure and really even just bring kind of like how Tennessee is supposed to just play Alabama. Just if you can consistently get four, maybe five from time to time, people that just get constant pressure and simply just kind of just F the play up within the initial first or two plays and then make it just instantly like third and long – I believe LSU will have a chance. The reason, and again, Jacob, this game I believe actually started off as a, uh, I think like a two or like two or three point favorite, and it's been kind of like teetering toss. So, to me, this is like a pick'em game, and time travelers are just happen to just go with Florida, probably just because it's at Florida, and the LSU passing game just looks just completely horrendous right now. I keep telling people that Malik Neighbors, number eight, and Keyshawn Booty, because he's playing like Booty, they should just swap numbers <laughs> because Keyshawn is wearing the iconic number seven. And if you wear seven for LSU, that means something. You are part of a such an elite fraternity of playmakers. 
and right now you're just not living up to the number. Malik Neighbors is, but it's not Jacob. It's not that big of a difference. You go from number seven to number eight, so it's not like a huge, huge drop off. Just Malik Neighbors is making plays, man, and I think that with again, if LSU can, if LSU can just constantly keep the pressure in and also specifically make Anthony Richardson a pocket passer, not a rollout guy, not a boot guy or a move with his legs. Cause we already know that he can do that. If they can just literally keep him in the pocket and just make him a traditional pocket passer, I believe LSU will have a chance and they will eventually win. And just for another week, shut those ridiculous. I just, it, not, I almost said iconic. I mean, moronic LSU fans that are just like, we need to fire Brian Kelly. Feed him into the Gators. Just, I guess uh, I guess that that kind of works in both ways. That works uh, metaphorically and figuratively, or in literally to this week. Anyway, I'm picking LSU. Feeling good about it. I don't know if I should. But Florida's also giving up Jacob almost like 400 or probably more than 400 yards per game. So if, uh, if there's a week for LSU to find their passing game, it's this week. Well, before I get started, I will say the last two matchups we're going to talk about were my hardest ones to um, depict. You know, the one we're talking about now, LSU at Florida. And we're about to get into the next one, USC at Utah. But That's, that's going to be a good one too. Yeah, just looking at the stats – The line is Florida by two and a half. The over and under is um, 52. How is that a more offensive style game than Mississippi State and Kentucky? I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't know because because when I'm looking at team stats, I've got uh, points per game for LSU at 31.8 and Florida at 30.8. So uh, – once again, I do not have a calculator with me, but that uh, that's over sixty points and over and under. 52. Seems like if you can have a time traveling machine, you can never one point it in time. Pick up a calculator, right? Right. So, um, you know, like I said, these last two we're going to talk about is is really a talk, really absolutely a toss up. If I'm wrong on these last two, I'm okay with it. But um, we don't. We say we're we're not paid to be right or wrong. We're paid to be entertaining. <laughs> right. As long as we're entertaining, people can listen in. Doesn't matter. And it's tough too because Florida's four and two. Okay. LSU's four and two as well. Their only losses are Florida State and Tennessee. We've already talked about Tennessee. We'll probably mm-hmm. talk about Tennessee a little bit later in this segment. But you know, I just got to go back on my gut and what I said earlier with home field advantage. Mm. And like I said, it could be, I could be wrong. And and if I'm wrong on this one, I'm completely okay with it. Don't back down. Yeah, but I'm Tom like Petty said, said it. The over and under is 52. Once again, I'm taking the over just because I'm an over person, but I'm not As far over to over. I'm not far over to over at all. I've actually got a very, very, very close game. I've got 28-27 Florida, which comes to a total of 55. Like I said, the over and under is 52. And honestly, 
I made these notes yesterday, but now that I'm here live in person, that that could flip flop. I mean, that could that could that could go either way. Honestly, I mean, I, the only reason I'm even saying that is because of the home foot advantage. Florida is very hungry. LSU has got a little bit of a hangover from from last week. I, I just you know, if this game was in Baton Rouge, we may be having a completely different conversation, but. Because of everything that's happened so far, we're right here. We're we're in the heat of the moment. The line's Florida by two and a half. The over and under is fifty-two. I'm taking the over. I'll pick them. Well, it's, very, it's, 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 very, very, very close game. Twenty-eight, twenty-seven, Florida. That brings us to a total of fifty-five. I've got I've got Florida hitting or or the game hitting the over. Florida taking the money line, but not covering. And that's that's a that's a tight. That's a tight not covering because the line's only two and a half. But I, I'm telling you, that could go either way. This was this was a very tough one, along with the next one. So uh, good teams win, great teams cover. So if you are taking LSU, I'm saying I guess take the money line. Jacob is saying take the points if you are thinking of LSU. Now the last matchup, as you were already seeing, it's way out west. Way out west with the you know your coach of the year Lincoln Riley him and Caleb Williams possibly a Heisman favorite possibly not I don't I haven't really seen the numbers with them I can just assume they're heading to Salt Lake City which I can only imagine it's just a like right now especially Jacob like in the fall like Salt Lake City Utah like uh, I suppose that's just as beautiful and just as scenic as it's ever been. I mean, hell, I, I just love seeing just people during the winter time when they go up there, like you'll see it on like their Instagram or you'll see it from um, like Facebook or whatnot. Just people just be like, Oh, we're just skiing in Utah. I'm just like, God, Utah just looks just beautiful. Especially when it's just that good bit of snow that's covered over. I can only imagine the fall looking just as beautiful. The only thing that doesn't look beautiful in Utah is their offense. And that may just be because, they're just, I mean, Jacob, to me, Kyle Winningham is the Pac-12's version of Kirk Fairwentz of Iowa. We're not going to acknowledge offense. We don't believe that the league is going offensive, like towards an offensive game plan. We're just going to stick with the run game. We're going to play elite defense, and we're going to develop our players. We may not get the four and five stars, but we'll get the two, the three, maybe the four-star transfers, and we'll literally develop them, send players to the NFL, but it'll always look ugly. And USC, I believe they still lead the league in turnovers. Now, Cameron Rising doesn't turn the ball over, and Tavion Thomas, the running back, is a physical running back, but... Jacob, I just don't think USC is going to – or I'm sorry, I, don't, I just don't think Utah is going to be able to just keep up offensively. Like we saw last week when they played UCLA and Dorian Tom, Thompson-Robinson. I mean, yeah, they played them enough, but at the end of the day, just like Zach Charbonnet and DTR were just too much. And I think that uh, not only Caleb Williams, but also um, uh, I believe is uh, yeah, Travis, uh, Travis Dye and Jordan Addison – you know, I, dude, I, I just think that just that trio alone is more of an offensive 
potency than Cam Rising and Tavion Thomas because th- like like USC at least has one receiver that's including one of their playmakers. They have some others, but still, like I just think Utah and Iowa are just so stuck in the way of just we're going to run the ball, we're going to play defense, we're not going to focus in on a quarterback. There's no quarterback cult. There's no passing game culture. There's none of that. They're just they're just going against the grain when everyone else is focusing more on offense. So I think that this is also Utah's last chance, like not just at relevancy with the Pac-12, but just probably just, you know, with the Pac-12 dying, like this could be like their last chance at like relevancy as far as just like nationally. And to me, that just makes you wonder if Kyle Whittingham's willing to just go through a rebuild or a rebranding in a way, even though that they're still going to pride themselves on playing physical defense and playing just from a physical presence. They're going to develop everybody. But Jacob, just with the way teams are going, with the way the transfer portal is, with the way that you can get better quicker and with the money that college football is producing, and they're in a conference that they were supposed to be the contender, but if with this loss they could be, what that would be that'd be three losses for Utah. I think I'm I'm pretty sure that'd be three. Yeah, yeah, Florida, UCLA, and if they lose this weekend, that would be three losses for the supposed preseason Pac-12 you know, favorite. And, and we're not even in Halloween yet. Like that's like to me that could really take a huge hit to the Utah brand. And hey, it, it we we talk about how this is a winner lot winning and losing business, and you're either winning or you're losing. There's no gray area, simply black and white. And I just think that USC, like you said, Lincoln Riley is rolling. It looks almost effortless. Like Jacob, I haven't watched a lot of USC, but the USC that I have watched. Again, like, he's, like no effort, bro. Like Caleb Williams is a magician, and I don't know. I don't know how he's not. I don't know how people aren't talking about USC more, specifically because they're in an LA market. But whatever. Uh, I think if they win this game, even though they're ranked a top ten team, and Jacob for some reason Utah's favorite, like, but they're only favored by three and a half. So time travelers are favoring them, but not by much. So that's why I think USC another comes in on the road, beach Utah. Could this be a possible shootout? Because Utah hasn't really faced an offense like this. So yes, they faced Anthony Richardson, and Anthony Richardson was Anthony Richardson. You know, last week Dorian Thompson. You know, just because he's finally healthy. But this is Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley just from an offensive personnel and from an offensive standpoint and just from an intellect standpoint, that's just totally different. And I don't think Kyle Winningham and Cam Rising really have the ability to keep up. I think, Jacob, I think this could get ugly quick. I think this will be a USC statement game as well. I mean, you have Lincoln Riley as your head coach of the year. Do you see this as being over by halftime? Well, I have to, uh, I have to agree with you there. I, I've actually got this in my notes. I think it's an unwritten rule that you cannot pick a coach of the year midseason without picking 
or excuse me, I, I don't, I think you can't pick an under, edit this out. I think it's an unwritten rule that you cannot pick coach of the year and have said coach lose the upcoming matchup on the same podcast. So So you're picking USC to win the national championship. Thank you for letting me know that right away. Well, I didn't say Natty. I didn't say Natty. We're talking talking about this game. Um, You know, the line is Utah by three and a half. Insulting. Insulting. Well, that goes back to home field advantage. Like I said, in college football, just – Utah must be beautiful. That's why I said that. Like Utah must be beautiful right now. Right. Well, I mean, like I said before, in college football, home field advantage just means so much more than the professional level. But the over and under is 65. As I'm looking at the stats right now, I've got USC at 40.2 points per game, Utah at 40.3. That's over 80. So, <laughs> you know me, I'm an over guy by nature regardless. But, you know, before Need to be. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see the theme that we are seeing and that the time travelers are at least putting out there? But it, this is for the old heads that want to continue to bet the under. Be like, no, there's no, there's no way there's that many points are going to be that score. Just, ladies and gentlemen, you're seeing the theme. Right. So, I mean, like I said before, I can't pick the coach of the year without him winning his uh, his matchups that week. So, I've, I've actually got a little bit past, more, more past the spread than any of the other games that we talked about in our notes. I've got, uh, I've got USC at, at 45 and uh, Utah at 28. I, I can see that off okay. and trolling. I can see that off and trolling. This, is, this will be a statement win. For Lincoln Riley, and, and if I'm wrong, then we'll go, we'll go the other direction in a, a future week in a different podcast. But as of right now, how it sits, that's, that's well, where I'm at. What's I'm I at. guess I guess now that I think about it, I believe that Utah is either one. I, I'll I'll just say just for argument's sake, they're top three in pass defense, and I believe they're. At, uh, at least top three in time of possession as far as the Pac-12 itself. So I think that's why the time travelers are thinking like, all right, well, if this could be a Cam Rising, don't turn the ball over, Tavian Thompson, you know, just get three, four yards of carry, be efficient with the tight ends, make the short little passing games, hit the five to 12 yard uh, completions. I just don't see – I mean, now don't get me wrong, Jacob. USC's defense is not what people think it is. So, if they do – I just don't think a dink and dunk game is going to – I don't think that's really going to do much against USC because once they get on offense, they're more than likely going to score points, if not move the ball to put themselves in position to score points. So, with an offense like that, you have to at least coach to the point of – if we get the opportunity to get points, we need to get it. If we have the opportunity to go for it on fourth and short, we need to go for it because anytime we give any extra possession to an offense like this, they're going to make us pay for it, just like you or Tennessee did to LSU last week. Anytime you give a potent offense and a quarterback and a, a coach that are just all 
for a tempo style offense, they're going to make you pay for it. And I know Cameron Rising really doesn't turn the ball over too much, but again, USC does lead the league in turnovers, and that's there's a reason for that. But yeah, I mean, again, like you said, like how can you not pick Lincoln Riley and USC? Because outside, realistically, Jacob of maybe Chip Kelly, like. Who does Lincoln Riley have to outcoach in the Pac-12? And he, and it's and he's not even worried about it because he's about to go to the Big Ten and get that Big Ten money. So he's he's not he's, ain't worried about none. <laughs> ain't worried about nothing. He he knows his team is rolling. He again they're they're Jacob. They're a top ten team, but yet they're a dog on the road. Fascinating. I'll tell you what else has been fascinating. This episode, and unfortunately, we're nor- it's it's towards the end. We can go on for so much longer, but I know you got sponsibilities. Don't want you take away. You don't want to take you away from those sponsibilities. So, Jacob, just like every other guest that I have on, I need you to tell me your current Heisman winner, your current national championship game, and your current national championship winner here. Thirsty Thursday, October 13th. Jacob, you have the floor. Well, completely. It completely depends on how the schedule falls out. Because my heart tells me Hendon, Heisman, Hooker. Remember the name. You can ask a lot of Hemden, Hemden Hooker. He's Hemden yes. Hooker. He, he is him. You can ask a lot of friends of mine. I've been saying it since, hell, last year. Since the end of last year, you know. He is a dark horse Heisman winner. But Heisman winners go with, you know, playoff teams. And the, it's, the, it's the business we live in. That's right. So the only way Tennessee will make the Final Four, like, like you mentioned earlier, we're not to, to the expansion yet. There's a couple. There's a couple of different scenarios. Tennessee could lose this week against Alabama, and like I mentioned before, it will not affect our East schedule. So if Tennessee loses against Alabama this weekend, they need they to beat win. Georgia for the rematch. They could win out against Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, and face Alabama again in the SEC championship. And I'm sorry, but if you win the SEC championship, call you're Ross automatically you. in. But the yes. thing is, even if you're the loser in the SEC championship, depending on how many losses you have, yes, you still have a chance in. Now, Jacob, I think what you're kind of alluding to already, and when we get, and we'll definitely have you on before that happens. But Jacob, at that point, you're asking, all right, does a two-loss Tennessee team? get over a potential undefeated Pac-12 USC team? Well, it depends on who the two losses are. If we lose to Alabama this week, and then we win out against Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. Missouri. I would say the only two losses but you then, have would be Alabama. One would be in the regular season and the SEC championship, and it would be really hard for the ratings to put Tennessee back in, right. even if they look you're right. great. Hey, hey, you're right. I, I will, as 
as big of a Tennessee fan as I am, hey, if we lose to Alabama in the regular season, win out, and then go and lose again in the SEC championship game, then you know what? Sugar Bowl, here we come. I am a New Orleans fan. I say, let's hey, hit hey, up hey, New hey, Orleans. Hey, let's hey, go. Hey, <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. This isn't even in my notes. I'm, I'm going to go strictly off of memory here. So, that's a New Year's Six Bowl. Whenever the New Year's Six falls on a Sunday, they always move it to the following Monday because of NFL scheduling. Okay. Right. They need well, ratings. This, well, this year, this year, New Year's Day is on a, a uh, Monday. Well, out of all years and out of all NFL schedules, the Monday night football game in the NFL this year is a Saints game. So instead of moving the Sugar Bowl to the Monday night game, they actually backed it up to Saturday night, Sunday. New Year's Eve in New Orleans. So I am oh. here to tell you, I am here to tell you as a not only a Tennessee fan, but just a college football fan in general. Ooh. If Tennessee goes to the Sugar Bowl, we're going to on Saturday night. <laughs> we're we're New going Year, hey, Saturday night, New Year's Eve. In New Orleans, one of my favorite towns in the fucking world, I'm going. Uh, just, just, just write it down. Just write it down. What do you mean, you? Like, we like a <laughs> yeah. group of we's. Yeah. Like we, yes. we can make that a trip for everybody, man. Who doesn't right. love right. New Orleans? Right. Love so, going to hell. I can sing some more. I can look more like a rock star up there. Last time I went. Right. So so Hendo Hendo Heisman Hooker is my is my heart pick, but you know, just going with my gut. You know, we haven't even talked about these guys or this player this entire podcast, which I feel is because they're beating every, they're beating the not, shit out of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Jacob, not, they're beating the shit out of everybody. It's not fun it's, to watch. It's yeah, only fun it's, to watch November on because that's when they start playing people. Right. It's, it's not disrespectful, but it is It is necessary that I bring this We're an up. entertainment platform. We need entertaining teams. They are boring. It is what it is, but boring in a good way, ladies and gentlemen. Boring in a, right. in a good way. Right. So, so back to the Heisman Trophy candidates. I've got to talk about C.J. Stroud. He's at 70% of his passes. He's at over 1,700 yards right now. Now, granted, Hendo Heisman Hooker's only at 1,400 plus, but, you know, he's had his bye week already. Matter of fact, Ohio State's on their bye week this week. So maybe, maybe Hendo goes for, you know, 250 plus this week to catch up. But, but regardless, Hendon's at 10 touchdowns. Passing. CJ Stroud's already at twenty-four. Good lord! <laughs> you know he he has had three picks, but you know honestly, 24 oh, only to three. three picks. Yeah, twenty-four to three. Oh. 
24 tutties, three picks is still a solid number. He hasn't done a lot on the ground. And I will say, Hinton Heisman Hooker has had – he's only had 10 passing touchdowns, and he's had zero picks. He's had over 230 yards rushing. He's had and big three, wins, and, too. And, and three rushing touchdowns to complement those. <clears throat> But it's but it's but it's hard not to not to bring CJ Stroud in since you in, into the conversation. I mean he's a he's a front runner. He's a front runner. And many of you may ask me, you know, hey, why aren't we talking about Bryce Young? He's a great player. But it's hard to know, win it back to back, Jacob. There's only a reason one person's only done it. It's hard to win back to back. That's exactly where I'm going. Only one player in the history of the Heisman Trophy. Has won back-to-back Heisman. And that was Ohio State's – you you called it. Archie Griffin. Archie Griffin. Okay. And here's a fun fact. It was 74, 76, I think it was. Like mid-70s, I think that was. Yeah, it was something like that. I looked it up earlier. And here's a fun fun fact for you, just going along with that. Oklahoma is the only school to have two players – Win the Heisman Trophy in back-to-back years, playing the same position, and that was Baker Mayfield, and followed Murray. by followed by Mister PlayStation, Xbox, whatever you want to call it, Call of Duty himself, Kyler Murphy. Kyler Murphy. Producer, producer Rob gonna love that one. He he gonna listen <laughs> to that one, and he gonna love that one. He. <laughs> Producer Rob gonna have you on hell even by yourself if you keep preaching his gospel too. He, he may yeah. just have you on himself. It's it, it, yeah, because uh, I mean I know this is the the college pod, but yeah, Justin told me that uh, now I don't play Modern Warfare, but apparently Jacob like some weekends you get like a certain boost and like points. Like some weekends it's like an extra like I guess boost and I guess gameplay or whatever. And uh, Justin was telling me like um, his win loss, like during those, during those weekends were just abysmal. And it's just like, bro, like you say, you don't put out a storyline, but it's kind of hard not to, when you have data backing up what's being said. And you definitely have the data to back up CJ Stroud. He's mine as well. Pretty much everything that you just alluded to, and kind of like what I'll just simply just give my take again. It's just right now, it's just boring to watch. Like he's just be- they're just beating the shit out of everybody. He's throwing it up to m- like what looks cool is that the touchdown receptions that he throws to his receivers to like Marvin Harris Jr. the or Marvin Harris Jr. Um, Mbuke or Mbuka, and um, I know I messed that up. I apologize to the family, um, but yeah, just Ohio State's just rolling now. Do you have them in your national championship game as well? Yeah, I mean, and 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 what I'm about to say goes. God, we're we're I'd say we're 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 already agreeing on the Heisman and the Natty, so this could be a fa- this could be a first time on the show where we actually like agree on like everything. So, so I just got to know who do you have them beating, and why do you have them beating them? Well, like I said, it all. For Tennessee, it really depends on this weekend. It really, really and truly does. I know we have a lot of important games after this weekend, but I'm telling you, this when, is a when start. You schedule, when you when you schedule me for week seven, if you if you would have told me that it was going to be this important, 
I, I would have called you crazy, but I am fucking ecstatic that, you know, this is what it came out to be. But as of right now, this is what I have, and I will explain myself as soon as I'm finished. Semifinals. I've got number one, Ohio State. Playing against number four, Clemson. I've got number two, Alabama, because they won the West playing against number three, Tennessee. Because, because, hold on. Tennessee hold on. beat them this weekend, right? Because, because Tennessee won out this week. They went ahead to beat Georgia. They went ahead to beat Kentucky and South Carolina and Missouri. But as, 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 as hard as it is for me to say, if we have to play them, if, if Tennessee, when I say we, I mean Tennessee because I do bleed orange. If, if we have to play Alabama twice, we're not going to beat them twice. So what I have is Ohio State <laughs> over well, – number one, Ohio State over Clemson. Number two, Alabama over Tennessee. Simply because Alabama won the West, Tennessee won the East, but Alabama takes control in the semifinals. My national championship is number one, Ohio State versus number two, Alabama. And as much as I pull for the uh, the SEC, I've got to go Ohio State. All right, so we finally have a disagreement. I have the same. I have the same everything, Jacob. The same everything except the winner. So I have Alabama over Ohio State. I think the national championship game. That's the game that Ohio State like blows because every year there's always one. There's always one game that Ohio State normally loses when they're not supposed to. And I think that unfortunately would be the national championship. But yes, it's I'm right there with you. I just have a different winner, obviously. And hey, that's that's where I'm at with. So many different possible outcomes because I'm not going to lie to you. At the beginning of the year, when Georgia beat Alabama last year, I said at the beginning of the year, I said all summer long that Nick Saban is on a fucking revenge tour. I said Georgia sent so many players to the NFL draft that – between that and, and, and Saban being on a revenge tour, that Alabama will not be fucked with. I'm just telling you, like, at the beginning of the year, that's where I was at. Okay, here we are week seven. Alabama had a – Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee, my boys in orange, all three of them are still undefeated. But from beginning of the year to now, Alabama had a tough win. Very, very close win against Texas. Very, very close win against Texas A&M. Georgia had a very, very close win against fucking Kent State. They had a very, had a big very, scare against yes, Missouri, which yes, is why right. I think that another like that athletic director like sees that and she's like, "Hey, let's let's just get a better coach in here." Right, right. So I mean, I'll I'll admit between week zero and week seven, my my outlook is. Changed a lot, you know. Like I said, as a Tennessee fan, I'm not going to boast. I, I think this weekend is important as hell when it comes to the third Saturday in October. But 
I just want to compete in the East. But at the same time, outlooks have changed. So it, it could be a, a many yes, different ways. A many we different still ways. have a whole half of a season left. But, Jacob, this has been phenomenal. It's been a, such a damn great time. Ladies and gentlemen, we can just keep going. <laughs> but obviously, we have to get out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Jacob German, his company, Acres Down South. Go to the website, get yourself one of those badass game day polos. Again, I got one today. Definitely get yourself one. And the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, they're not done. They're actually adding more. It's just right now with the orders and everything that they have, as far as everything they already have. Again, these are custom designs, so they're going to take a little time to actually make because they make them themselves. They have more teams coming. They're just going to be coming eventually. So if you, even if you have a suggestion, please drop in a line of a team that you would love to have on. As I was saying, Jacob, you can make it. Or if you can think it, they can make it. Jacob, this has been so much fun. <laughs> I, man, I kind of like lost my little train of thought there. But listeners, thank you for being with us. We've really enjoyed this. This is actually, last week was such a long episode. This is actually now broken that record. So Jacob German has now been the longest guest on the Ball and Barrel podcast. That's why I was... Uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I was like, oh my God, we've gone over for two hours. That's incredible. It's just, you know, natural flow, natural content. But that's exactly what Jacob does. He knows all about the algorithm of social media. That's just what he does on a daily basis. Thank you again, Jacob, for being with us. Of course, go Tigers! (laughs) GBO, baby.